like you were hurting like he he hit people was it over the pants or under the pants you didn't take your pants off hey guys welcome to another episode of i finally watched i'm milan and this is david and today i finally watched dead poet society so this is another one of those movies that was just like on cable or like hbo years and years ago and I stumbled upon it. I think I missed the first 15 minutes of it when uh, when I first saw this movie. But, you know, I quickly caught up and I saw it to the end. Um, and it was just a movie I really liked. Uh, you know, I at this at this point in my life, I've already seen Goodwill Hunting and um, Flubber, just to name a few of Robin Williams' like greatest cinematic achievements. Um, right. But this one, I feel like, kind of flies under under the radar as as Robin Williams' films. But I I still found it incredibly enjoyable and um, really emotional. I, I even watching it again this week, I felt great emotion uh, towards this movie. So I'm I'm curious, David, what you thought about it. Um. I think this movie is one that you have to watch either when you're younger or maybe a little closer to the time. Um, So the first time I watched it, I was like, that wasn't very good. Uh, Not that it was like horrible, but just like mostly the way it ends. um, I had some issues with Uh, watching it the second time. I think you really get one an appreciation of, appreciation of just how great Robin Williams is in this. I think he obviously carries it, um, which is why I don't think this is under the radar, at least for Robin Williams and his career. Um, This is one that my uh, older brother like had a copy of and watched a lot. Um, But I I think when I watched it the second time, I was just more in the mind frame of, you know, this is like a very late 80s movie and it kind of falls into some of the same like ways those movies were shot and the way they could have been a little melodramatic and the way the acting was just not as like was was just different than you know the way you'd see in the last 20 years and so I kind of giving it a little more credit for that I I enjoyed it a lot more the second time um there's still just some stuff that I uh towards the end that obviously we'll talk about and kind of spoils the whole movie um (laughs) It definitely didn't play out the way I thought it was going to. Um, And there were some things that like, some unique ways that you deal with, that they dealt with like a, an outsider coming into this very buttoned up conservative school and like how that they dealt with that story was a lot different than a lot of these stories uh, to me. Um, So I guess kudos on that, but I mean, overall, it, like it's it's a pretty decent movie, but I think it's one that you appreciate a lot more if you saw when you were younger, or if you saw, you know, when it came out. I'm I'm curious to to kind of dive into the problems you had specifically with the movie because, yeah, for me, it, I agree with you. It's not a type of movie that you kind of what happens in the film you don't quite expect. You know, that's not kind of like the way usually these films turn out. Um, I actually like how they don't really treat Ethan Hawke as like an outcast. They kind of accept him immediately. And it's kind of like this creation of brotherhood, this creation of family that's like, hey, we're in this really uptight private school that treats us all really shitty so we can't treat each other shitty because like you know we are our own support system in this yeah we're in this together yeah and i i really like the beginning of this movie before you're introduced to robin william on kind of the subjects that they are taught like science and math and and history and like very like scholarly and linear uh uh teachings of of these subjects and then the teachers are very like these you know typical if you were to think these like very boring ivy league-esque professors 
And then Robin Williams, that is so like offset to the to the side, like teaching them in this new like out of the box creative thinking you know way. Um, I just really like the beginning how they set all this up, you know. Right. I mean, and there there are things I, I do really like about it. I do, I do think like Ethan Hawke is given so little to do, and I think his part is a little over the top at certain points that it's like it's kind of crazy because he's such an amazing actor but this is like him in like an 80s movie that is to me it's just like kind of overly dramatic in places um so it is interesting to see him in like this very kind of side character role uh with not much to do like early in his career and then you have like you know i mean the guy who plays neil perry obviously most most people now would know him from from house so it's not like he's like a he's not a bad actor and he's actually he's really great in this um but it is it's interesting to see like their careers kind of just you know from this then kind of go in like opposite directions not that robert sean leonard's had a bad career because you know being on like a show like that and the other stuff he's done is is great but just to see like how you know the the rise of ethan hawk after this yeah, you're right. Ethan Hawke is given like very little to do, but what he has to do are like emotional, you know, huge emotional points in the movie. Um, his role is mainly like being the catalyst of certain events that are set off in this film, at least as far as like the emotional catalyst. Um, and I, yeah, I. I, I don't know. So so what are your like main issues with this movie? Like you just don't think it, it aged well, I guess? Um, yeah, and I think more of that has to do with, with the way it ends, but I think we can just kind of talk our way through it and and then we'll kind of get to my questions as they come along. Um starting off, I will say that I did enjoy Charlie Dalton is probably my favorite character. Uh he's kind of the the rich kid who just kind of does what he wants and kind of can get away with a lot and then just doesn't really give a shit about the school. Um, And then I also just, anytime you're going to have Red Foreman playing an overbearing father, it's like, you know, what's not to love about that? Yeah, except in this one, it's kind of like, it's really bad. Neil Perry's uh, parents in this are like one of my main objections to this movie. Um, and, and in the beginning too, just like you're doing too many extracurriculars. So I'm taking you off of this one. Cause it's like, that's the most frou-frou one is, is working on the school annual, which I guess is just the yearbook is what it seems like. Or the school um, paper. Yeah. Well, I think it's just a one annual means it comes out once. So to me that has to be the yearbook. And then they showed the picture of robin williams from it so like yeah uh the yearbook the yearbook staff is not going to get you into harvard so we're taking you off that and just i will say like the way his voice cracks as he's talking to his father but doesn't really anywhere else i think is like is pretty good um and then that sort of leads to you meeting like robin williams who uh you know everyone's gonna have a problem with like what if you've just seen the cover of this movie and see the first five minutes of it, you know, like, oh no, he's going to change things too much. Um, yeah, one of my favorite parts is in the very beginning where he asks everyone to like rip out the the page, rip out the first, you know, chapter of the book. And he walks like in the back room to get like a waste basket. And then a teacher like sees all of them like being rambunctious, comes in there to like discipline them. And then as soon as he like realizes there's already a teacher in the room, he's like, oh, I didn't realize you had this handled, you know? So that was uh, Mr. McAllister. And I really thought he was going to be like the main antagonist to Robin Williams. Right. And I do like the way they kind of 180 on that. And he's just like, you know, I think you're a little misguided, but hey, me and you are going to be friends because you seem a little crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. And also, you know, the fact that they put this kind of um, kind of backstory for Robin Williams' character, the fact that he was once a student at what, what was the school called? W- Welton? 
right? I believe so. They call it Helton. Yeah, they call it Helton. Um, the fact that he was a he was a student there, and I think one of the other students asked him, like, "Why the hell would you come back here? Like, why didn't you just get away?" And the fact that he was like, "Cause I love teaching that much," and and you kind of learn it's like, "Hey, I had a shitty time here. I know you'll probably have a shitty time here, but I'm willing to come back and like try to make it better for anyone." that's willing to learn I thought was like a really noble cause yeah and I obviously I love his speech like um this whole movie is Robin Williams um you know normally in his movies like Aladdin or you brought up Flubber for some reason he's like turned up to 11 and then obviously in his Goodwill Hunting he's at like a one or a zero even as far as like on the Robin Williams scale right and this is like a five or a six like he goes into the voices here and there. He does yeah. a, oh, that's very bad. Like at one point. Um, yeah. But overall, like, so the first speech he gives is is really amazing. He's like going into all this poetry and explaining like, you know, that famous line of like, you can be lawyers and engineers and those are noble pursuits. Like that's something I've heard like thousands of times being quoted. Um, and then that starts with him having them rip out the textbooks, which I love first that Cameron who has been established in the very beginning is like a bootlicker kiss ass that you can't trust. Um, and then Dalton is like, first of all, Cameron's taking notes and like writing the graph that is being written on the board and then immediately having to mark it out. Yeah. Then he asked them to rip it off, rip out the intro section. Cause it's so stupid. And uh, obviously like Dalton's going to be the first one to do that. He's like, Oh, rip a book. Yes. I'll do that. You know, like you said, Robin Williams is being turned like half dial in this film. And the voices and, and certain characteristics is like very Robin Williams. But then I question like, is it very this character? It's sometimes it's a little out of place for me. For me, And you would think that kind of like a bunch of like high school boys being like high school boys being confronted by this like silly teacher would enhance like you know it would call for a lot of maybe cynical views on this teacher or it's like hey listen you're being silly and with all these weird voices we're not buying it but they love it they laugh at him they become you know very close to him very quickly and you can't help but think that that's only because that they've had such a shitty time at this school that they're kind of like really longing and looking for this like outlet and they find it through him. Absolutely. I mean, like it starts off with, you know, going through all these other classes where they're just like repeating Latin and like on your first day, you're getting these 20 trigonometry assignments and or 20 questions for a trigonometry assignment. And it's just like, this is obviously just like a welcome break where, you know, you're not just regurgitating information on a test. You're just getting to like, have fun basically you just get to talk about poetry and he gets them really excited about it to me though like watching this one of the questions I had is like it's really like they're not that hard at this school watching people in high school did give me like a little bit of anxiety like one of like a nightmare that I have every like half a year or whatever is like going into a classroom and being told like we have a test and I'm just like what the I don't know what any of this is I think I had that nightmare uh recently it was college and it's like well I hope you're prepared I was like no I'm not not prepared at all and just like racking my brain of like how do I get out of this how do I study a year of material in like an hour and Um, then the relief of when you wake up being like oh my god it was just a dream but but honestly, that place is like, it's not really that bad. And they get away with so much until the very end. And in fact, if it weren't for, we'll get into this later, Cameron, they probably would have gotten away with almost everything. Yeah, and they kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the fact that they were caught at the end was just kind of stupidity on certain people's parts. But it shows you when they sneak out of the the dorm the first night how like careful they are and prepared they are and like dog treats at the ready for the guard dogs that are on property but then they're able to do this like every night 
it seems like, or at least once a week. Um, and it's like with, with no issue whatsoever. Uh, and then especially how, oh, what's the guy's name? What, what's, uh, what's the character's name who has the crush on the girl? Knox Overstreet. It is Knox. Uh, every time Knox wants to go over to that like other high school party or whatever, he seems he can do that like pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, the worst thing these kids are doing is going off on their own to sit in a cave and read poetry. It's like if 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 you actually found out that's what they're doing, like one, I guess the, this school and this universe would have a problem with it because they're trying to train doctors and bankers and lawyers. But then why even have a poetry class if you're going to like frown on poetry in itself? Because you need that for like entrance exams and for college and da 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 da. You need to be well rounded. I do like find it preposterous the importance versus like perfection scale that they had for poetry. Like I wasn't. I should have looked up if that's real because it's it's actually just so asinine that I was like, that is one of my major problems with this movie is like, this school is like just such an the school and. Kurtwood Smith, who's Mr. Perry, who plays the main guy's dad, are just such an absurd level of conservative. Yeah. As as to be like just a caricature of real human beings. No, I I I agree with you. Um, and then Robin Williams, you know, basically being like a fucking normal guy in this. The school. worst thing he has them do is rip out part of their textbook, and then they're like you know, uh, I saw you having those kids walking around in the courtyard. What was that about? And he's like, I'm just trying to have them think for themselves. Oh, absolutely not. That's not what we want here. <laughs> yeah, it, you're right. It is almost like a caricature of of this like ridiculous, I, I don't even know what to call it. Um, but you're right. Like the school itself, though, apart from like the certain staff and the headmaster, you know, the stuff that they do isn't that bad. The stuff that the school has them to do is not that bad. The worst characters are probably the parents. And I just don't mean Neil Perry's father. I mean, at the end, you kind of get a scope of all these kids' parents and how honestly awful they all are. Well, they're just kind of, I mean, it is, it's probably fairly accurate for 50s parenting of like, do as I say, this is what's best for you when you can afford your own stuff and you're an adult, then you can make your own decisions. But until then, you know, shut the fuck up. Um, that all probably rings true. I just think it's, once again, it's dialed up so much as to be absurd. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the the kids. Cause I found, I found the actor, the characters that the actors play as far as the kids are concerned. Um, I like how each of them has like their own thing going on. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have, what is it? Meeks and Pitts are uh, both trying to build a radio for some reason. To, to oh. have like music, yeah. Which by the way, I love that like they're building the radio and then the, the one teacher who's also like their, basically their RA that lives in the dorm with them is like, is that a radio? And they're like, uh, no. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah it's like a science project radar i mean so up until the ending this like the school is not that tough on them at all like they they seem to let them kind of get away with stuff i guess like well the know. only the only thing you have this like toughness about is like a, a frowning upon the arts like that's really the only thing that that this school is really against um and then God, they hate the arts. Because now I'm just thinking of Neil trying out for the play and how everyone was against that, you know? Yeah, and I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But, like, the next scene that I think is kind of important is when they discover the the Dead Poet Society. Mm -hmm. um, and they ask... Uh, I do like when they're trying to get uh, John Keating's attention and then they say, oh, Captain, my Captain. And he turns around and he's like, gentlemen... Um, and I also just like that it's it's kind of like he tells them about it, but he doesn't, you know, he's not really giving them the idea to do it. But then he secretly gives the book to Neil Perry. 
so they can conduct the meetings because he just knows like these kids are too interested to not go to that cave and read poetry. Right. Um, some of the dialogue from the kids, like when they decide to uh, to join the Dead Poet Society and go to the cave that night, like Dalton especially is just like, I'm in. <laughs> like, 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 like they're planning a mission in, in like an 80s B action movie and he's like, I'll do it. I like how there's like some convincing, like it takes some convincing to some of the students, but like you and I both know, like they're all going to do it. Like where's the movie if not, if not all of them do it. Um, well, and then Dalton tells Knox, like you have to do it because poetry makes the, uh, he's like, poetry makes the women swoon. And he's like, you know why they swoon or something like that. And then uh, Knox is just like, why do they swoon, Charlie? Let me know why they swoon. <laughs> what makes them swoon? <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about like lines like that and it being very much set, like, you know, that 80s cheese. Yeah, I get it. But I feel like there's a lot of like pretty down to earth, grounded uh, character involvement that still holds up for today. Um, For example, like I think that whole relationship between Neil and um oh man what's ethan hawk's character's name uh todd anderson yeah okay so between neil and todd i think is great especially when they get their first poetry assignment like i think like the running around the room and the throwing around um whose book is it meek's book or something like that and um right you know like them fucking with each other but like in a friendly way I think that's all great where, where it doesn't get too great. And it's like, it doesn't age well is like when, uh, the girl, what's her name? My God, I'm bad with these names. Chris, Chris. Thank you. When Chris is passed out and Knox decides to, to plant one on her, I was like, Mm-mm, buddy, no, don't, don't do it. He's so awkward. Knox, Knox is his yeah. character. And in that scene where he kisses her, it's so creepy to do that. And just like in the beginning, he, you know, he, his character, like I have like problems with, and I think is really cool. The Knox Overstreet character. First of all, I love the actor who's in it because he was in Sports Night, which was a show I love. But he first starts off just like being in love with this woman just because she's a pretty blonde face that he saw, you know, and we have no idea how much they spoke that night. But then he just can't stop thinking about her. And then he decides to call her. And you're like, why would you do that? And that's after showing up at the the football rally and seeing her kiss her boyfriend. It's like, of course she's going to kiss her boyfriend. He gets all upset about it. And he decides to call her. And she says, oh, I was thinking about inviting you to this party. And he's like, oh, that's great. And I do love where he's like trying to hang up the phone because he's like, the phone call has already gone better than expected. He's like, I have to get out of this. I'm going to explode like right now. Like, this is so great. As he's like, oh, all right, bye, bye, bye. Like that, that part's really great. And then he's so fucking creepy at the party. It's so weird. It's like, he sh- probably shouldn't have gone because you know nothing good is going to come from that. And he's just like, what he does is like really wrong. And then after that, when he goes to her school and reads the poem in front of her, not a personal move I would make, but I do love afterwards when they're asking him how it went. He's like, it doesn't matter how it went. I did it. And I think that is a really cool message of, I told her how I felt. I did this thing that I didn't want to do that took all this like guts and fortitude to do. And the fact that I did it is what matters. I put myself out there and I did something that was really hard for me to do. I think that's a cool message. I think, yeah, I agree with you. The way he went about it at the party, little, you know, a lot wrong with that. But, and and I love also that he wouldn't have gone through it if it wasn't for uh, Robin Williams being like, you know, carpe diem and like implanting that message so deep in all of his students, um, which on one hand, that's a really good message, like seize the day, you know, if you live life, but you live it in like this extreme carefulness, then are you really living life? And essentially, this is kind of what motivates every character to do what they do through the film. But the result of that is what gets them in trouble. 
I, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is, is when Ethan Hawke, Todd Anderson is on the rooftop and it's his birthday and Neil comes to him and he's like, you know, something like, Hey, what's up? He's like, it's my birthday. My parents have gifted me this desk set. It's the same desk set that they gifted me last year. And they probably forgot that they gave it to me in the first place. And I didn't like it last year either. And I didn't like it last year either. And the whole like bonding and conversation on where it gets him to like chuck it off the roof. I thought it was like a really beautiful character moment for actually kind of for both of those characters, because you find out that, you know, how deep Neil's issues are with his own parents. I kind of can't help, but it was cathartic for them both, you know? Right. Well, and, and Ethan Hawke's major like kind of character flaw is that he just can't speak up for himself. He can't really speak period. He's like, so, you know, there's another character called Meeks, which, uh, uh robin williams plays on that with like oh all right meeks go inherit the earth but i mean ethan hawk is fairly meek and um you know his development of being able to speak for himself and in the end and like the the one scene but that that scene that you're talking about is great in that you have these two characters like coming together and then also just talking about how their parents don't respect their opinion, don't even really see them as, as human beings and just see them as like these things that they're molding to, to kind of go have this life that they don't get to choose. I mean, yeah, that scene is, is great. Um, the, the scene that next that I really love is, I don't love the beginning of it because it's when Dalton brings the women to the cave and you're just like, that whole scene just lasts way too long and I don't really get the point of it. But He's I do like love, pretending like all this great works of poetry is his own. Right. But I do love what that leads to, which is him writing an article about the Dead Poet Society in like whatever paper they have. Um, but it's just the reaction to it is like absurd. And then I do <laughs> Dalton just doing the prank because he's like i don't give a shit about this place and i want to get expelled um it was funny seeing the corporal punishment scene i was like oh yeah like i don't know did you ever get hit with a paddle i think by the time that i went to school and if anyone on staff or faculty of a school ever physically hit me i think there would have been a lawsuit so fast that the school would have went under before i even went home so I would have called daddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I'm just saying, I don't think I fit into the generation where you, as staff or faculty of a school, was allowed to hit anyone. So and where I, I went- I went to a Catholic school. So where I went for kindergarten and first grade, they did have, there was a paddle. It was the exact same paddle in this movie. And there was like a, there was like, a schedule for who was the paddler at certain times. I only got it once. And I think I got it from like, I can't remember if it was like, it was like a, a, like a female, like administrator or something. And it was like, when you got the paddling, it was like fine, whatever, you know, it hurts obviously. But the, um, the maintenance guy was on the schedule at certain points. And he did not fucking take any prisoners when he did it. And it was like, if you got it on that day, like you were hurting. Like he, he hit people. Was it over the pants or under the pants? You didn't take your pants off. Oh, I don't know. Look, I'm just saying, I never, I never experienced that. Um, and I'm actually surprised that you, you you saw that happen in, in your age. But I, I do love after the scene where um, Dalton has already described, like set up that he wants to be called uh, Nuwanda from now on. Right. And uh, Neil Perry comes up and he's like, Charlie, what are you going to do? And, you know, he just says, damn it, Neil. I told you it's Nuwanda and gives that little smile. And then everyone knows everything's going to be all right. right. Um, but there is, I, I'm going to get into it now just because it's like, you know, it could be now or later, but the, the Dean headmaster, whatever, as he's paddling him is like, you know, I know you're trying to get expelled from here. Let me just tell you, 
it is not easy to get expelled from here. But apparently, if you hit another student in the face, instant expulsion. <laughs> yeah, I... It's Did, almost like he's like, I hope he didn't read the rules because there are like four or five things that will get him expelled. <laughs> was it was it certain that he did get expelled? Yeah, yeah. They, a- they, after, so I I thought it was worth it. I I was so happy to see that little fucker get hit in the face. He's the biggest shithead in a movie. <laughs> he is up there, like possibly Mount Rushmore level. And uh, yeah, it was like one of the most satisfying things in the world to see Dalton hit him um it may have saved the movie for me in general like if he didn't get anything but the thing the another problem I have is like at this point this kid has lied he has sold you out he has snitched like one punch wasn't enough oh you You wanted them to like beat the shit out of him yeah absolutely Okay. Like I wanted Dalton to just go in and everyone turn around and not look. Let's, the other thing too is like, what? I I wish the other kids had just lied. Just be like, nah, he didn't punch him. That never happened. Cameron's a liar and he's lied about everything. Let's get our story straight, guys. Well, I mean, that could have helped in a lot of different ways. Here, let's back up a little bit because I think we have to we have to talk about the elephant in the room. You know, Neil Neil Perry really wants to try out for the for the Midsummer Nights play. Um, which I guess it was for like a neighboring school or I didn't quite understand that. Was it like, like a, a, it was just a local theater. It's a community theater. Okay. Yeah. And so he is apparently is a great actor and a great academic. He tries out for the, you know, puck, which is the main, the, the lead role in, in, in the Midsummer Night Dream. He gets it. And I found out, I found that it was really interesting how, Obviously, he lied to his dad, but the fact that he lied to Robin Williams about his about lying to his father, and the way Robin Williams can just see right through him, but still goes along with it, I found kind of great. Yeah, as I'm like watching it, you know, just playing in my head, he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna try out for this," and Ethan Hawke's like, "What? Why are you gonna try out for it? You know, your dad's gonna say no." He's like, "Dude." don't kill my buzz right now. Like we'll, we'll deal with that later. And then dealing with that later, he's like, Oh, I'm just going to forge a letter. And I'm like, you're going to fuck this whole thing up for everybody by forging this letter. And he fucks it up immediately. Cause that letter is found out like faked immediately. Well, it, like in the timeline, I don't know how immediate it is, but like I was, I was wondering how did Kurtwood Smith, Mr. Perry, Red Foreman, how did he figure this out? It's just like the worst of luck that um, the daughter of a friend is like co-leading this play with him. And I was just like, dude, how did you, how did you not see this coming? And one, I was like, you know, this is a boarding school. And so it's like, also, why are you doing a play? I guess where your family just happens to live near this boarding school. And they don't really, they set it up a little bit here and there that like they're poor, not necessarily poor, but just not as rich as these other families. Um, and so that's he, why this means so much more to them. Yeah. He's probably like really smart and he's there probably on a scholarship or something like that. But honestly, man, Neil just like one just screws it all up with like these just poor decisions to like, you can try acting, but just like right now, you know what's going to happen. And when he, when he goes into his room, I immediately know I was like, his dad's going to be there. And of course his dad's there and his dad's pissed. Which is also just like, it's just the, the things that make his dad angry are just so like. Dumb. It's, like, it's just stupid. Yeah. Um, the, you know, when I saw this movie a long time ago, I remember the suicide scene but I, I forgot what led up to it. Like, not to be like insensitive, but I'm like, what's the worst that he can do? Isn't like killing yourself a little overdramatic in this situation? However, when it is mentioned that he's going to be like shipped off to this military school 
And he's like, if I'm at that military school, that's going to be like an extra 10 years uh, before I get out, which I guess that military school covers the rest of high school plus college and beyond. No, I think it's, it's a military school. So it's the rest of high school and then you have to serve probably. And then you're drafted. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So he sees like the next 10 years of his life being a prisoner. And I was like, okay, now that's in a context I can better understand because first of all, not even in an actual prison, but feeling like you're, you're trapped in your own life that, and you have no control over it. Like that's a really daunting feeling. And then knowing that you're going to be torn away from your friends, your family for 10 years, that's like, I couldn't even imagine how incredibly depressed uh, he must have felt at that moment. Right. And to take it back a little bit. So his father tells him you can't do it anymore. And he immediately goes to Robin Williams for advice. And his dad blamed Robin Williams to begin with. And I was just like, where did you make this connection that this new teacher, like what that part was just pulled out of thin air. It's like, Oh, it's gotta be that new young guy who's teaching poetry. Um, but the scene between him and Robin Williams is pretty great, especially when you get the backstory of how like Robin Williams has this girl that's in London, but he just loves teaching so much that he's sticking it here, even though it's a place that's like probably like it hurts him to be around all these other people that are kind of not letting these children grow the way he thinks they should. And then when he tells Robin Williams that, oh, I talked to my dad and he's going to let me at least do the play. I was like, I don't that seems like a lie because like wouldn't we see that scene that would be like a pivotal scene right to see red foreman like you're like all right son you can you can stay in this play i think the fact i think you know obviously the fact that we don't see it we should as the audience know it's a lie but also i think what another huge giveaway is that the reaction robin williams makes to the obvious lie also tells us it's a lie. Um, I don't know if you think Robin Williams is a, is a, was a great actor, but there's a few of his films, Goodwill Hunting being one, this one I think being one, that he really pulls all the stops, I feel. And to like, I don't know, to have so much being said on screen without saying anything at all out loud um, was incredible to me right i mean robin williams was a great actor um there's like insomnia which i know you haven't seen it's uh it's a great movie and then um yeah he did some like some dark stuff one hour photo is always one that sticks with me maybe not the greatest movie but like just like probably one of the creepiest characters he's ever played um so he was like he was a tremendous actor and i've all you know i felt that way for a while um the next scene then is on the on the Neil Perry storyline is you know he does the play his father's watching it and I'm like oh his father came to see him um instead of going on that four-day business trip and like he's just back there watching and he's uh I guess maybe he's enjoying it and that's how this is going to play out but no no for some reason he got a whiff of like my son didn't get out of this play and I have to come back and, and watch him yeah and it makes sense that he wouldn't interrupt the play because like you know that's not something you do as like a normal human being in polite society um but the way he like takes him outside and then takes him home and the mother oh my god talk about a stereotypical fucking 1950s housewife that's chain smoking and oh my god my son's in a play yeah was it supposed to be 1950 yeah Oh, okay. You didn't get I, there any of that? I guess I didn't get that. Well, I, which also, so I, my wife was like, yeah, I mean, acting was really kind of looked down upon in like that type of society. So it, it kind of makes sense. But my God, like the overreaction, especially from the mother. And he just tells his son, like, yeah, I'm sending you to military school and you're going to fucking do what I tell you. You're going to be a doctor if it kills me. And then they go to bed 
and the mom is crying and he's just like don't worry dear it, it, it'll be all right like like they caught him with drugs right well I actually i took the mom crying as a reaction to sending her son away like i i saw that the mother kind of had a heart but because of the power dynamic of the household she didn't she didn't have really a place to say anything that's kind of how i felt about it i mean yeah and then as he goes up into his room and then takes off his shirt and opens the windows and then puts the wreath back on his head i was just out loud i was like is he gonna kill himself is that where this is going yeah and i like how there's no prelude to the gun you have no idea that he has a gun you have no idea that there is a gun um but when he pulls out the gun and he stands at his or he sits at his at his father's desk i think one of the best like well done things at this point in the film is the swelling of the music to the point where all you hear is the music and then the slow pan into the the parents bedroom when uh the father wakes up to a noise that we as the audience don't hear i thought was like really well done well and i think the point of not hearing anything is maybe he didn't do it um maybe the father just you know the father says he heard something but maybe he shot and missed maybe he didn't kill himself and he you know just injured himself um or maybe he just heard him pull the drawer and get the gun because we don't know where the gun is it could have been in their bedroom maybe snuck in there um and then uh the part of the movie that's probably the unintentionally funniest is the slow-mo mr perry no as he like circles around the desk and you just see the hand i will give them credit for there's no way you can show that dude's blown off head or whatever he looked like right i think it was really apart from the slow-mo i think it was really well done i it, it had me like tears in my eyes and i remember the first time i watched this i was tearing up too like how just freaking sad is that and the fact that they that they I think the saddest part too is that they pushed him to that point. They know full well that they pushed him to that point, yet they're trying to find anyone and anything to blame other than themselves. I thought it was kind of like a really sad moment too. Well, yeah, I mean, that's jumping a little bit ahead, but I, I was, I was found it somewhat satisfying that because of how much of an asshole Mr. Perry was, that he was going to have to deal with this for the rest of his life. Wow. Um, and just, he can try and blame Mr. Keating if he wants, which we'll get into the logical leaps uh, that you have to make to think that this is anyone else's fault. Um, but it's just like, he's such an asshole. And he's like, you're going to be a doctor if it kills me. And it's like, well, no, it didn't kill you. Um, but it did kill your son. I, it's, it's, it's sad because it's like a young life that could have been something. Um, but it is also just like a giant fuck you to his father. Like, well, no, you're not going to get what you want. Um, which is like, I don't know. It's, it's definitely different than i thought this movie was going so how if we're being honest where did you see this movie going like how did you think it was gonna like what was the climax and the ending to you i thought this was gonna be your classic yeah you know, rebel coming in trying to change the stuffed up you know the stuffy society i thought uh robin williams was gonna have uh a lot more run-ins with the school thought there was going to be some interesting side character stuff which there was you know Knox eventually gets the girl Chris which is like nothing he did should have worked no definitely not uh, um he was super fucking creepy but I mean it does seem like she did kind of have they don't really paint it very well for you but it does seem like she had an instant connection with him that we just sort of find out eventually in the end she kind of felt that 
I do want to mention one thing about the Knox storyline, just so we can put it to rest, if you want, is that I think it's really cool, the dynamic that they set up, that this kid being in love with this girl. However, this girl is in love with this, like, really jockey type of, you know, guy. Um, and if they did it in a way where he could have won her over by the stuff that he learned from Keating and like the arts and the poetry and like in a very nice and romantic way, won her over through that. I thought, I think that would have been like a really stellar storyline, but the way, I mean, I think that's what they think that, that they thought they were doing. But the way that everyone went about it was just like, it shouldn't have worked. I feel like if you just change the scene where she happens to be laying next to him and her hair is in her eye and mouth and he brushes it aside and that same chubby football dude says, he's making a pass at your girl, then it's completely different. I but just, when- thank God he, was, he didn't kiss her lips. Like the forehead, okay, creepy, but still. I think... It sends this, like, weird example of, like, he does all these wrong... Not that, like, kids watch this. I, I It's kind of bullshit to say that, like, movies... A movie like this would, like, affect kids. But he just does all the wrong things. He does some things that are actually downright creepy. Yeah. And in the end, I think... In the end, he does, you know, the reading the poem to her, the being bold. I think those are things that maybe you could say would would work in real life. But... Just the fact that it all works out for him in the end, you know. Well, I think that's the part where the 80s kind of like thinking doesn't, you know, hold up nowadays. I think if this was redone, um, they would have treated that whole plot line differently. And we would probably agree much more to it. Um, But I I can see where they were going. Um, and, And I... And I do like that each kid, you know, Knox, um, Neil, essentially, uh, Todd, they all learned how to deal with certain obstacles in their life through the appreciation and and newfound love of poetry and the arts, you know? Yeah, so, and to to go back a little bit, just to finish the thought, like, I, I did think also, like, the kids were going to be chased around a little bit by some of the school administrators. I thought like Mr. McAllister who saw them in the, in the beginning was going to be like this nosy teacher who was trying to find out what was going on. I thought like they may have to like escape out of one side of the cave as other people walk in. Like I thought it was going to be like a, you know, high school hijinks. Um, and I thought eventually the administration was going to say like, you're just, you're not teaching these kids the way they want. We want them to. And I thought in the end he was going to be like, told in his classroom he needs to leave and all the kids were going to say oh captain my captain i actually thought i had seen that scene where like each kid says it as he stands up so that was like weird that it, it didn't happen that way i and i think i, it's, I, thought, I think I, it's one of those memory that what is it called the mandela effect because i really thought each kid said my captain my cat it's oh, probably captain. like a simpsons episode we saw or something <laughs> um and then I thought maybe like I also thought there might have been like a he's dying plot line or something like yeah I I mean someone dies yeah um and and it's it's move this movie is kind of unusual in the way it, it is set up because you have Neil Perry as the main character essentially he goes through the biggest character arc um from being alive to dead no I'm kidding but, you know, in his, in his stand-up to his father and kind of like, you know, wanting to be an actor. And Ethan Hawke kind of just like lulls in the background and, and you know, comes up every, every so often. But at the very end, when you have Neil Perry out of the way, Ethan Hawke all, all of a sudden becomes like the main character with the biggest arc. You know, um, I do, I know I'm backing up a bit here, but I do absolutely think a stellar scene is when uh, Todd Anderson pretends he didn't do the homework because he doesn't want to speak up. And then he pulls him up in the middle of, in front of the class, tells him to close his eyes and, and just come up with the poetry off the top of his head. 
Um, and he does it and he does it really beautifully. And like the proudness that Robin Williams has, I thought that that's like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, you forgot about the yop. Oh yeah, the yop, of course. Yeah, no, I mean, the, that is probably like the biggest arc growth in the movie um, is Todd Anderson, Ethan Hawke, even though he's not given much to do throughout. And, you know, in the end, you know, I have some questions about one, how did the, uh, the Dead Poets book like end up back in the desk that made Robin Williams cry? Um, that didn't make much sense to me. And then it was such like a, I guess in the 50s, like my son died. Uh, I want the school to do an inquiry to figure out who caused this because clearly like his suicide has to be blamed on something and it ain't us. Um, that, that, when, when that happened, I was like, oh my God, like this is why he's gonna, like I know he gets fired. Like this is why he gets fired because the, the dean explains to Todd Anderson after everyone else has already signed. He's like, you know, um, because he pushed him into acting against his father's explicit wishes, that's why he killed himself. It's like, oh really? Okay. So Steve. like, that, that's like the, the, the leaps you made to like convict him and get him fired are just astounding. Well, I mean, like you said, it wasn't like a main plot line, but authority had problems with the way he was teaching like i guess having them play sports while trying to teach him poetry which i got confused i was like okay is he also like the pe coach like is that like a double job on the side that he does and then he just has to like incorporate poetry within his pe lessons that was uh kind of confusing to me i think he's just a big soccer fan i mean his his girl lives in london i think he's just i think he loves footy of you know, other than that, they probably just saw him, you know, they didn't like the way his methods were and just said, hey, we need a scapegoat. Why don't we just use this teacher that we don't really agree with? And uh, yeah, you're right. It's absolutely stupid and asinine how they come up with it, but um, that's probably their reasoning anyways. So, And then this leads to kind of the, the ending. Todd Anderson gets brought into the... Uh the headmaster's office and I, I love that he like there's just a bunch of speaking and then he asks one question and his father's like I've had enough of this sign the fucking paper so I can go home <laughs> like we have to get out of here and then it's like it almost feels like Ethan Hawke's character has like reverted back right like he still can't speak up for himself and it's like that's what ended up killing Neil is he couldn't speak up for himself properly to his father, although he tried and then look what happened. And then you get back into the classroom and I love that like the Dean who was teaching this is now like, we're just going to start over. Yeah. And uh, someone read the intro. And he's like, uh, none of us have the intro. Like we had to rip it out and just fucking the kiss ass Cameron reading it out loud and then like they're really going to learn poetry by this like x and y axis bullshit right <laughs> and then of course robin williams like has to come collect his stuff like right during his class yeah beautiful timing exactly and um it, okay so before we get i mean we already kind of touched on the oh captain my captain scene but I'm pretty sure that I watched School of Rock before I watched uh, Dead Poet Society. And then I remember watching Dead Poet Society and thinking, my God, someone pitched School of Rock as, okay, it's Dead Poet Society, but instead of Robin Williams, it's Jack Black. And instead of poetry, poetry, it's rock and roll. And I'm like, that's actually genius, and I hope they actually pitched it that way because those two movie parallels so well together. Do you uh, do you agree? I've never seen School of Rock, <gasps> and I don't intend to. Oh no, that's gonna be up and coming. I'm so excited now. Fuck, I I in one last like that. This kind of reminds me of like the town from Footloose that like hates dancing. Just like they're so offended by everything. And so like, oh, no. Um, 
that as Mr. Anderson steps on his desk and says, oh, captain, my captain, I love the headmaster. Like, this is your final warning. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you stand on your desk? And then um, if you see, like, after every single person, like, they get the, they get the, fuck yeah, I'm doing this, and they stand on their desk, you see the, the principal in the background, like, <gasps> like, just looking around in awe at everyone, or not in awe, but in, like, um, disappointment, I guess. And a great, such a great ending of Robin Williams saying, thanks, boys, thank you. Except then it's just another shot of Ethan Hawke through the five hole of another boy just like in his crotch area. And you're like, I know you thought this shot was artistic, but like maybe not. Maybe do it a different way. <laughs> Is that what it was? I thought it was between like Robin Williams or someone's like side and, and, and arm. It was a thigh shot? It was in between the legs. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, wait, wait, to, wait to ruin it for me. And the the final thing I noticed that like, yeah, I'm being nitpicky, but whatever. You know, Robin Williams has that scene where he's having the boys walk in the courtyard. Yeah. And uh, that he's trying to prove to them like, hey, you, when you do this walk, you're all going to start conforming and you need to not be conformist. You need to walk in the world the way you're going to think in the world, the way you're going to behave in the world. And you need to think for yourself. And then in the end, Todd Anderson stands up as, oh, Captain, my captain, and the, the conformity ensues, which is like, they're obviously just standing up to help their friend, but it just like made me laugh. Uh, another one of my favorite moments was when they're all in the courtyard doing the funky walk. And I think it was Dalton that, that wasn't doing it. And Robin Williams was like, why aren't you doing it? And he's like, I'm choosing my right to not do it. And he's like, very well. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> You, that's you prove point. that's the point you prove my point yeah i um i do love the quote to uh to dalton after he does the whole uh god's calling thing at the at the big school meeting and uh robin williams comes into him he's like there's a time for daring and there's a time for cautious caution and a wise man knows the difference like that's a pretty like he had some great lines in this movie that uh he got to he got to deliver I, yeah. especially like language is used to woo women <laughs> um when he was getting on to dalton about the the call to god i love how he was like and what you did was not daring now if the call was collect that would be daring <laughs> i thought right. that was great yeah uh I, I so you know when you first when we first started this you said you weren't you know you had a lot of issues with this film you didn't really like it some moments save this film uh for you i'm kind of disappointed to hear that because I, I you know we're talking about it now and it seems like there are some really excellent moments that you actually seemingly to actually enjoy in this movie overall i really like this film i think it, it's full of heart but also has a lot of like sad motifs running throughout uh as it as an entirety as a you know as a whole what is your um, like final thoughts about this film? I mean, overall, I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it more the second time I watched it. I think Robin Williams is really great in it. I think the speeches he gives are really great. I, I also like that just the thought I had as watching this was like, when you're in high school, all of this seems so important. And when you get out of it, you realize like how stupid it all was, like how little it matters. You know, in the end, it would have mattered for Neil Perry because it was like gonna, it was, he was gonna have to join the military. And so like, that's kind of what leads to that. I just, the, the part I had, the parts I had trouble with were just how absurd the administration was, how absurd Mr. Perry was. And then just like how overly dramatic uh the the scene is the the suicide scene is so overall it, it's a it's a fun movie it is a good movie it's super 80s you know just barely making it in the decade um but my, my problems were just things like it, mr keating is like not that like rebel of a teacher he's like pretty straight laced he just wants them to learn poetry so 
but overall like it's it's a fine movie i'd recommend it to other people i don't begrudge people who really love it um and if it's on tv i wouldn't turn it off but i don't you know i mean there's so many movies i need to watch so it, it was good well thanks for listening to another episode of i finally watched i'm alan and this is david and i finally watched dead poets society <laughs>